Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It is a Monday on Fantasy Sports today, which means it's time to recap everything that happened in the NFL in Week 9. And boy, did we see a shift with some teams in fantasy and reality. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia as we start off the first Monday in November. The march toward the end of the fantasy football season is officially now. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. We got a lot of scoring to get to in fantasy. Some high point totals from a number of people. Sean Guastamaki is always producing this show on the Monday as we get things started. And Joe, uh, we're only a few weeks away believe it or not, from Thanksgiving. And then in one month from now, we'll be hitting that fantasy football playoff time. So uh, time to dive into everything that happened on uh, Sunday. And there was certainly a lot to unpack, a lot to digest, and a lot of things that we didn't see coming show up and a lot of things uh, that certainly we thought were going to happen did not come to fruition, but certainly a fun week in the NFL. Uh, unless, of course, you had the favorites in a lot of games because uh, certainly from a betting standpoint, I'm sure a lot of people uh, lost a couple shirts, not just one, but uh, maybe several. Well, we start off with uh, really the most dominating performance, I thought, from any team yesterday, which was the night game, ironically. The uh, Baltimore Ravens, man, they just they they finally did something that no other team was able to do. And they unleashed Lamar Jackson on the uh, New England Patriots. And man, he looked awesome last night. I was just constantly refreshing all of the gambling apps to see where Lamar Jackson was in terms of the MVP, because now I think that he gets into that conversation for sure. And Joe, like, I mean, it was just stunning how dominant he was in that game. And of course, look, there was a key fumble also that aided to the win, I would say. But from start to finish, that was the one performance, ironically, on a Sunday night that stuck out to me more than anything else. Oh, absolutely. It was absolutely fantastic. It was dominant. It was brilliant. And I got to tell you, you know, it just you got to just tip your cap and look at Lamar Jackson and say, that's the future of the position. And people are saying, well, can you find guys like this in Conklin? I don't know. I, you know what? I kind of wonder if you can or if you're going to see starting to see more of these types of athletic quarterbacks of this ilk at the very least, because I think when you look at this Pop Warner system we have, especially in, you know, Texas and a couple other of these, you know, big time college football states and uh, youth football states that you're going to start to see more of these kind of athletes develop and become more credible at the quarterback position. And you're going to see a more athletic quarterback than you've ever seen before. And it was exciting. It's exciting to watch. The Ravens had a fantastic game plan. They came out, they punched them in the mouth early. They ran the football down their throat. They had some of those great, uh, let's be honest, you know, option kind of gimmick runs that you don't really see much of in the NFL. And then Lamar Jackson, of course, at the end of that game, making an incredible play there. Basically, they had him dead to rights. 
He rolls out, rolls out of what should be uh, the end of a tackle there in a sack. And instead, he makes a huge play and continues that drive. And yeah, that Julian Edelman fumble was a huge swing in that game because that Ravens defense looked absolutely gassed there at the half. They came out with the football. They were driving and then boom, there they go. Put on the ground and it's six the other way. That was a huge swing in the game. But look, the Ravens are going to get another shot here at the Patriots probably sometime in January is our guest. And I can't wait to see what he does in New England. It was a fantastic performance by him. Fantastic by the the Ravens overall. The defense played well. Earl Thomas played well. And John Harbaugh, I will always say it, second best coach in the NFL. I will stand by that forever. I think the guy is just outstanding. And he had the right game plan for this game, Craig. Yeah, and, and the other part of this, too, is what's so fascinating is if the and the Patriots schedule does get a little tougher now, I don't think they'll lose four games. But if New England was to lose three and somehow Baltimore was to pull off a miracle and go 13 and three and get to that championship game, that game would be right back in Baltimore again because of the head to head. So clearly uh, Belichick is going to have some work to do, whether it's in New England or Baltimore facing this kid again. And, and like every team has basically had to do, it's really remarkable to think that the only team that that really succeeded in shutting him down almost completely were the Browns. I mean, that, I, I mean, how, how does that yeah. even happen? But look, that's that's the look, only. Is, thing as you year. always say, Craig, it's the NFL, and and it's funny because in the draft two years ago, I was very of all the tape that I saw of all the quarterbacks. This was the Baker Mayfield draft, and here we are, you know, now two years into it, and Lamar Jackson to me, I just was was just overwhelmed when you watch the game footage on him, and maybe you've seen more of him than I have, but I just watch, of course, highlights and watch the game film stuff that you can find on YouTube before I you know, do black book and all that. And I had long conversations with Scott Bogman, who co-hosts uh, college fantasy football with John Lobb, who's here on the program every Thursday. And he just was gushing about Lamar Jackson and said, look, this guy's a better passer than he realized. He's going to figure out all this stuff. And there was a lot of negatives. And I think a lot of the negatives came from maybe the way he sounds. And he doesn't really look like your prototypical quarterback or sound like your prototypical NFL quarterback. But you know what's funny? But the 31 overall pick in that draft, the New England Patriots had a shot at Lamar Jackson. It was part of me going, I wonder if Belichick's going to step out here and say, you know what, this is going to be the next thing in the NFL, and I'm going to take this kid. And he passed for Sony Michelle. And I kind of wonder here in the next couple years, is he going to regret that choice? Well, look, there's a lot of other teams that are regretting it too, including the Miami Dolphins, including the Chicago Bears. and, and Right, and but we always know there's some organizations that have foresight and others don't to say, okay, what are we going to be next? You know, like they were the first team to go out there that I ever saw that used two tight ends the way they used Hernandez and Gronkowski to that level of that athleticism. You know, they're always willing to break the mold, and they're always willing to get out ahead of time or hedge their bets. And instead in that draft, they went with Isaiah Wynn, who's a terrific player. And they went with Sony Michelle, more things to keep winning now. And that's fine. But Lamar Jackson is for real. Lamar Jackson has made great strides. And I don't know about you, Craig, but I've been impressed all year with how he's been able to deliver the ball in the pocket. And it seems like he's way more comfortable than a lot of scouts said he would be doing that. Yeah, again, so many teams passed on him. Uh, it's funny, a tweet is going around from Booger McFarland from a few years ago saying that when he was at Louisville, they need to switch him over to receiver so he could succeed in the NFL. And There's a lot of people who thought that. A lot of people thought that he could not be a quarterback. And you know what? Good for him showing the world that he is. Not could be. What about Deshaun is. Watson? It was the same scenario. Deshaun Watson led Clemson to a national championship. A million teams passed I on know. him. I, let me, you know let me tell you, his own team, his own coach, didn't think he was good enough either last year. It's, it's so weird to me. And, and yet you have, Savage, and you have everybody Tom moving Savage? up. Yeah, and, and yet you have everybody in the Bears organization moving up heaven and earth, passing on Patrick Mahomes, passing on Deshaun Watson for Mitchell Trubisky. So, again, I just I don't understand if, if they're just hesitant or if they're still 
old remnants of the past thinking. And I don't want to, you know, everyone knows going to come thinking where we need to throw that away and realize, look, this is this is the new age of the NFL. This is new era stuff here. And these guys that are coming out of college now, the young, athletic, black quarterback. Get ready because this is what you're going to see in the future. And you know what? The future is bright for the NFL because that was a hell of a fun thing to watch. And I'm a Patriots fan who took the L last night. And I loved every minute watching Lamar Jackson as much as it hurt to watch an L. Yeah. And and, and look, I, and it may happen again. I mean, that that is certainly a possibility. I don't know. Um, I'm not buying that this kid is not going to win MVP and not take this team to the Super Bowl. Their defense may not be good enough. But as of right now, if I was to take any value, and it's too late now, as we talked about last week, he was 5-1 to one to win the NFL yep. MVP. You ain't getting those odds again. Nope. I mean, and he, great energy in the right building. There. You had Ed Reed there. You had all the guys. I mean, that building was rocking last night, and they came out, and they punched him in the mouth, and then the Pats did what they do, which is make adjustments, and they came back, and the defense did play better. A couple balls got knocked up in the air that could have gone the other way, but they didn't. And at the end of the day, man, the Ravens kicked ass, and that's all you can say about it. Yeah. Yep, we'll see what happens in uh, December, January. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, it should be interesting for sure at the end of the season. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. Uh, but it looks like Nick Foles will probably, you know, take over a quarterback. My question is, you know, if Nick Foles struggles at quarterback or let's say, you know, this team kind of disappoints, what do they do going into next year? You know, because they saw the good and now the bad of Gardner Minshew. And I, you know what? I wonder if we're almost overrating the bad that we saw, because don't most rookie quarterbacks get kind of a pass sometimes. And, you know, like, as they go around the league, they get seen more. And I don't want to write him off as his career altogether. Oh, no, I, I you can write I, off rookie I, of the year. No, I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, he basically had a seven week run, more or less. And of the seven weeks, he only had two bad games and only one terrible one. And this was the one. But the yeah. the, uh, the problem is, is that they're going into a bye. And and yeah, I mean, it does. And Foles is healthy. It, it, it appears to be. It appears yeah. to be that he's healthy. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know what? He, he he's a probably a fringe starter in the NFL. He's a very good backup. I don't know which direction Jacksonville would go if full struggled. They did give him a lot of guaranteed money. Uh, I think that if Minshew had beaten Houston and played well, he would continue to start for sure. But you can't you can't do what he did yesterday. He looked like Daltonish there in the second half, throwing picks and fumbling, and so. Great story that probably comes to an end. We'll see what they decide. Doug Marone said after the game, you're not going to get a word out of him. They're on the bye week, and then he'll talk the following week, and so we'll see. Uh, Mike Evans with another blow-up game for the Bucks. That's what we got here on second down. I think that we are in agreement that Michael Thomas is the number one fantasy wide receiver on the planet. 
is Mike Evans the second best one, Joe? I mean, and, and better yet, I think in Dynasty Leagues, you got to start thinking about this because I think Winston, we both agree, will be gone. And right. all of the crazy throwing will probably be gone. I mean, I know Arians is there, but I just can't see this non-sustainable, not running the ball almost ever gone. But this year, Mike Evans is going to grade out as the number two guy. Well, he might grade out that way. And this is a tricky question because you're talking about fantasy. You're talking about reality football wide receiver, like number two overall. You're talking like, all right, um, I'll still take Hopkins. I will. I just uh, maybe it's just maybe I have Hopkins bias, but I'm so impressed every time I watch that guy go out on the field. And it's not a knock on Mike Evans. Mike Evans is tremendous talent. He's certainly in that top five conversation. But two, I still hold that slot for Nuke. I just do. I just that's how much I think of him. But right now he is on pace after eight games, Mike Evans, for a 1600 yard season. He had 1500 last year. Last year, he caught eight touchdowns. This year, he's already caught seven. Yeah. So that is an incredible <laughs> I mean, it is. And look, and, and some of these games have come in bunches, no doubt, because he had some games the first two weeks of the season. He was it was crickets, you know, <laughs> and everyone was freaking out. And and this is why what do we say? We always say on this program the same thing. You draft your guys because you believe in your guys early in draft. And if you do that, you have no choice. You have to keep rolling them out. You don't overreact. You don't you let the season play out. And for better or worse, sometimes it is what it is. And you've got a situation where there are a lot of people who gave up on Mike Evans, traded Mike Evans, and they are kicking themselves right now because the last two games, he has 23 receptions and, oh, I don't know, 400 yards, basically, in three touchdowns. It has been an incredible two-week run for him. And even the week before, nine for 96 was pretty darn good, too. So in terms of fantasy, you could certainly make that argument, especially with Hopkins having a less-than-Hopkins kind of statistical season. But in terms of just, if you ask me right now, Michael Thomas is off the board. I get a picket wide receiver. I would take Hopkins. But man, at three, I don't know. I mean, Mike Evans is certainly in that conversation. I don't know. I don't think you're worried about Arians, uh, you know, next year. I think Mike Evans is still a real heavy part of this this offense, no matter who's quarterback it's or really running back for that matter. Yeah, that, that's an interesting team. If they were to fix that defense and get a better quarterback. I, I think Tampa Does the Bay defense need surprised. all that much fixing or yeah, or they, have they just been put in terrible spots? Over? No, it's a legit <laughs> question. Like, or have they just been put in terrible spots where they the ball gets turned over too much nah, and they're on the field nah, too much? And all that. Nah, nah, they will yeah. destroyed that, that that secondary yesterday. Look, Shaq Barrett is great. He has a chance to be the sack Terrific. leader for the year. But no, there's their linebackers in secondary are awful and, and they're going to need to upgrade that. But that's kind of the, you know, it's a work in progress for Arian. So I'm. Um, I just think Tampa could be one of those teams next year that their win total at the beginning of the year will sit around six and a half, seven, and that may be one that I circle just because I think that there's enough talent there to go over. They just need to fix a bunch of stuff. Uh, All right, third down, speaking of fixing a bunch of stuff, Florida State fired their head coach. This is a big deal in college football. Willie Taggart, who only coached a year and a half, which is incredible, and got guaranteed $30 million because of his different buyouts that he had with – with Oregon and South Florida. Uh, FSU says goodbye to him. Uh, they basically they lost the University of Miami over the weekend. And Joe, imagine being paid $30 million to coach and you don't have to do it, man. And you can just sit on your you-know-what. Now look, this it's got to be demoralizing for him and his head coaching career takes a huge slap. Like, he'll probably have to go back to being a coordinator somewhere. But I think he'll be fine, man. $30 million to sit. Well, he's only 43 years old, too. So I don't think his coaching career is over. We've seen we've seen bright, shining rock stars at coach in the NFL and even in the college ranks. 
flame out in spots and then rebuild himself and come back. So it's not impossible. But yeah, I, I would love to collect 30. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm going to make you a deal right now. Mm. Three million. I'll sit out the rest of the year. Wow. Right now. That's it. Right now. Yeah. Three million. Yeah. I mean, 30 seems like a $30, lot. $30. I'll sit out the rest of the year. <laughs> I don't want to put you out. You know, I know, you know, money bags, Mish is a lot, but I'll, I'll settle for a buy out of three million and you can go back to running the show by yourself and you don't have to listen to my stupid takes at all. And all I'm, right. I'm sure it's intriguing for you. 30 bucks. Not a bad deal. Not 30, 3 million. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not going to be able to come up with that one, Joe. We're going to have to bet Minshew to win. Do again. you think this was a bad move by Florida? State? No, like, it, was the, it was the right move. It's just the the story coming out of it was, you know, I mean, Kirk Herbstreet, who covers college football, of course, for many, many years. One of the best analysts, yeah. at least considered to be after the game, uh, you know, did a video of just how pathetic and ripping FSU and saying these kids are, you know, because what happened was throughout the game, remember, it's it's Florida State versus Miami. And even though in proximity, you couldn't be further away. It's the difference between you, Joe, being in New Jersey and maybe Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. but, th- but that's the distance in terms of drive time. But in terms of recruiting, these are all kids who played against each other in different high schools. But the amount of trash talking that was being done by FSU in a losing uh, losing way, he got annihilated. They said the coach is just not disciplined. He's letting these, I mean, they shouldn't be talking trash on a three-win team type of thing. Um, and so that's the kind of narrative that's being brought about this morning. But the reality is, is that they've just taken a huge step back from when Jimbo Fisher was there. And um, and that's just the reality. They'll, they'll be fine. FSU will be back. It's just a really bad downtime for them. It happens with every school. Uh, okay, uh, finally on fourth down, Deshaun Watson, who picked up a win, and uh, Stefan Diggs, who picked up a zero, both gave props <laughs> to Popeyes. Watson says that because the chicken sandwiches was back, that's why he won his game yesterday in London. And Diggs also had some Popeyes cleats there at the game. So there you go, Joe. A tale of two teams for sure, but Popeyes chicken sandwiches are back, and the football players obviously say they love it. I'm very excited. I heard this news over the weekend, so now I finally get to try it because you haven't tried it yet either. I have right? not. No, I have not. All right. We need to synchronize our watches. There's a Popeye's 10 minutes from my house. Okay. We need to synchronize this. We need to make this work. Maybe a live stream, set it up, or, you know, have it out here and, uh, you know, do the full review where we're both having it the same day. We don't talk about it. And then we come to the show and we discuss it here on Air Live. All right. That sounds like a plan. Here's our next plan. We'll start breaking down the games on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. The Monday Replay. Now here we had number. The Monday Replay. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. You want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections. 
NHL DFS line combinations and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com is where millionaires are made. And we will start off our game recaps, of course, with the marquee game yesterday between the New England Patriots and Baltimore Ravens. And as we illustrated throughout the show, at least at the beginning of the show, there is no question who the deserved winner was on this side of the football as Lamar Jackson has put himself off of that performance square in the conversation of potential MVP in the NFL. They were cheering it yesterday, and he's still going to have a long way to go. He's got to win a lot. Russell Wilson is a clear favorite at this point, although the odds are not out yet this morning. We'll, uh, you know, we're still waiting on those to come uh, to come back out. They usually don't put them out until after the Monday games are done. But the Ravens win 37-20. to 20. That ended up being the final. Jackson rushed for another 61 yards and two touchdowns. He's going to have the best rushing quarterback season in the history of the NFL. Ingram also had 115 yards on the ground, and Gus Edwards stole a touchdown. Jackson, by the way, threw for a touchdown to 163 yards. Receiving uh, wise, uh, Hollywood Brown, three for 48. Uh, there really wasn't much. Uh, Andrews even had a quiet game, too. Nick Boyle. Uh, was the only well, one it was a matter of how down. he spread the ball around. He found the guys that were open, and that's what playing quarterback's about. And that, I think, was more impressive to me than even the rushing. Yeah, he uh, he threw to a lot of guys that you don't normally expect. Hurst had two catches. Uh, Ricard yeah. had one. Boyle had five. Uh, on the New England side of the ball, uh, Brady, one of the most probably subpar games of the year for him. 285, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, James White had the rushing touchdown. Sony Michelle was very quiet. Edelman had a monster game, although he had a fumble. 11 targets, 10 for 89. Mohamed Sanu. Uh, his really big breakout game with the win yeah. there, man. Got to keep an eye on him. 10 catches, 81 yards of the touchdown. White, unfortunately, not much receiving-wise. Uh, Watson is back on the map, and Dorsett was a little bit of a disappointment. But look, we illustrated this very early on. Yeah. 17-0, uh, New England went up. I think as a Brady owner at that point, using reality aside, you thought, wow, okay, Brady's. this is going to be one of those 400-yard Brady games. Even going into the fourth quarter, I thought this was going to be one of those 400-yard Brady games. But uh, not so much. Uh, New England has a bye coming off uh, this loss, and usually the New England is fantastic off of a bye. Uh, Ravens will keep cruising. They are now going to be, it looks like, probably one game behind New England, depending on what happens last week. And in terms of the Patriots, Joe, uh, my guess is they come out firing the week after the bye week. I would not go against them. No, they absolutely will. Look, some of the, the ills of that offense showed up. They are getting some bad left tackle play because they have an injury there that they're waiting for him to come back. There were some penalties there, too, some very unpatriot-like penalties. Uh, they also lack a real true red zone threat. Now, it was nice to see Sanu get involved there. That was a big plus. But, you know, it's starting to show that they don't have Gronkowski in the red zone anymore, and they've got to figure out some more ways to, to be effective down there, and that is where they struggle. They don't have those kind of weapons at this point. And I think when you're looking back on this, too, look, you know, the defense did not play well in the first quarter. After that, I think they played pretty well for the most part. And then they got tired at the end of the game and you know, the, Lamar Jackson took him to the house, but look, obviously going forward from a fantasy standpoint, Muhammad Sanu has proven that he understands the offense. And that is a huge thing because there were big moments in that game where he was looking and he found Sanu and that's huge for his fantasy value. Because once you are in with Tom Brady, you are in just IE Julian Edelman, the rest of them, but the Pats certainly have a lot of work to do. You're right. Coming out of the bye. Uh, certainly do uh, as well. And they're going to play the Eagles coming out of that bye. So uh, that should be a good matchup for Brady to bounce back from a passing standpoint. Yeah, we'll, we'll see from fantasy. From reality, they have four games against four teams above 500. And if New England wins three out of four, they got nothing to worry about. Anything less, all of a sudden that home field would be in question at the Eagles versus the Cowboys, at the Texans versus the Chiefs. You would think, sure, they could win yeah. three out of four. They could win all four. 
but if that doesn't happen, then that puts the Ravens for sure uh, back in that conversation in the AFC. And uh, and look, that Chiefs game could prove to be interesting as well because going in a head-to-head sure. matchup, if the Chiefs win that one, that could change. And Lamar uh, has only two. Well. Lamar has the Texans uh, week 11, and he's got the 49ers week 13. Those are the two big Lamar Jackson MVP games out there. If he gets those W's, because the rest of his games are very winnable. Bengals, Rams, Bills, Jets, Browns, Steelers. That's a very winnable schedule here for Baltimore. Yeah, they'll, they're going to win. They're going over their total uh, for sure. They're going over their win total. No doubt this year. I would love to have that ticket. All right. A uh, good ticket yesterday was the over in the Seahawks Bucks game. And uh, and look, Seattle won and they did score a touchdown in overtime, which I'm sure a lot of people who backed the Bucks were very upset about because it looks like they were going to cover and, and win for the majority of this game. Uh, Tampa Bay led this game 21 to seven. Seattle's defense back to back weeks looks like the worst defense in the NFC. 400 yards to Schaub. And then Winston looks like Schaub. Like, I don't know what is going on with their defense, but uh, Russell Wilson basically had to carry them like he did again. And, you know, the MVP leader for sure right now, 378, five touchdowns for him. Uh, Carson had one long run. Otherwise, it was a quiet day, but you'll take the fantasy points for sure. 105 on the ground, 28 in the air. Lockett has been an absolute monster all season long. 13 for 152, two more touchdowns. Metcalf has come on strong too. Two touchdowns last week, one this week. Six for 123. Hollister, four for 37 and two touchdowns. So they found a little extra uh, juice there out of their tight end. Uh, Winston, 335, two touchdowns, no interceptions, one fumble. A good game for him. He goes usually good, bad, good, bad. This is a good one. Uh, Ronald Jones, 18 for 67 and a touchdown. Evans, we mentioned the monster game, 12 for 180. Godwin, PPR formats was fine. Seven for 61. Uh, Rashad Perriman got involved somehow in this game. Four for 42 and a well, touchdown. Yeah, the ball bounced off Mike yeah. Evans and he caught for a touchdown. Right. So yeah. good luck on you, buddy. The only way that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, pretty and much. And Agun Bowale uh, had a one-yard touchdown that he, you would say he stole it from Jones, but they do use different guys at the goal line there. So uh, look, Seattle, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, this team is going to put up a lot of points, Joe. But on their defensive side of the ball, I think that they're becoming a juicy matchup each week, kind of like Tampa Bay is a little bit, where they don't play great defense, but they play great offense. I mean, how can you explain Seattle uh, giving up 21 points to Atlanta in the second half last week and Schaub throwing for 300 yards in the second half and then Winston doing this as well? They get no pass rush whatsoever. I watched this game and I watched the week before. I don't know what Clowney's even doing out there. Like, they've traded all these picks for him and everything. Yeah, Their offense is fantastic, and so... I mean, I think DFS wise and season long wise, you just put your Seahawks in there at this point. They're just they, they can't stop anybody. So it creates a great offensive performances for them. No, that's 100 percent correct. That's exactly what's going on there. And it's great for Russell Wilson's MVP resume as well as he continues to put up stats. Great to see uh, DK Metcalf having a big game. That That's not surprising considering the way the Tampa secondary has played all year. And when you're looking forward here, uh, this is something we talked about last week, that that 12th man, this whole, oh, my God, it's so hard to win in Seattle. No, it's not anymore. It's just not. So everybody from a betting standpoint needs to recognize that, too, because this has been going on all season. And the once historic Seattle defense with all those guys, the Thomases and the Shermans, and all those guys are gone. It's it's they're all they're older. They're on other teams. They're gone. And this defense is not what it used to be. And neither is that home field advantage. So take notice of that and also take notice of the fact that if your team, you have players that are playing the Seahawks, there's some real fantasy points out there in matchups to be had as well as in DFS. Yeah, Winston uh, put up some good numbers. 335, as I mentioned, two touchdowns. Uh, he's a fumble king. He's going to break the record for uh, quarterback fumbles this year, no doubt about that. But uh, Jones is kind of you know plotted around better as the season has gone on. Maybe they found something there. I think they'll probably still need to have another running back with him, and we talked about Evans for sure. 
And uh, on the Seattle side, Metcalf has all of a sudden become a strong wide receiver three, if not wide receiver two. If this is what's going to happen with Seattle, all you got to do is check their total, their uh, their Vegas totals each week. You see in the 50s, you got to fire this thing up and throw all of your guys in there. No doubt about that. Uh, Chiefs and the Vikings, the hero of this one for fantasy, for those of you who play kickers, Harrison Butker, four field goals, two extra points and a 50. Uh, I mean, one of the best kicking performances of the season in the NFL, if you still use kickers. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt Moore, 275 and a touchdown. Damian Williams had a 91-yard touchdown that everybody has now seen the highlight of Tyree Kill chasing him down and scoring before him. Uh, Damian Williams fun. now, now got to fire up Damian Williams for the second half. Probably a, if you're still in it after dra- drafting Damian Williams, you had to draft other good players because he was a massive bust for seven weeks. Uh, Tyree Kill, six for 140. Watkins, seven for 63. And Kelsey, seven for 62. So across the board, Without Patrick Mahomes, you were fine fantasy-wise. Now Mahomes will probably be back next week against Tennessee. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 220 yards and three touchdowns. Cook, 21 for 71. It was just a very well-played game. Cook also had four catches of 45 yards. Adam Thielen played for a second and then got hurt again. Uh, But then without him, Stephon Diggs did nothing. Only one catch. B.C. Johnson, never heard his name before the game. Touchdown. Rudolph also scored a touchdown for Minnesota. Cousins, uh, Joe, has been a pretty solid performer. But this is just a very well-played start-to-finish type game. Not a lot of turnovers. Uh, fair defense for the most part. And whoever had the ball last won, which happens in the NFL. And in this case, it was the Chiefs. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And a lot of people are killing Kirk Cousins because, oh, I can't win against teams that have a winning record. But like you said, this was a competitive football game. They were on the road uh, against a Chiefs team that had a lot on the line. And look, who had the ball last did win. And that's it. At the end of the day, that's what happened here. Tyree Kill is my big takeaway from this game. When you watch his game and what a what a game wrecker he is and the things that he can do on the football field and the speed and, and you know, it, yes, it's very funny to watch him <laughs> run behind Williams in that play and catch up to him. But on, on the same side to just to see the moments in that game where Tyreek Hill basically just changes the whole complexion of what's going on. And that's what makes him so special. And that's the thing that early on too with the Chiefs, you know, not having him around was a big difference maker there. So a great job here. Um, by the the Chiefs here to play well with Matt Moore for two weeks and now hand the baton back over to Patrick Mahomes, who's coming back earlier than anticipated, which is great news for fantasy owners and great news for the NFL. Yeah, and great news uh, for the Chiefs when they play against the Titans, who really, uh, on a week-to-week basis, you can't figure them out all that much. And we're going to talk about them coming up next as they played against the Carolina Panthers in terms of Kansas City. Uh, you know, a kind of blip on their radar, I think, during the season. They still don't have a great defense but their offense is good enough to carry them in terms of Tyree Kill. If there's a faster player in the NFL, please let me know who that is. I mean, literally, like, <laughs> I, I don't think there how is can that. there be a faster player in the NFL than this guy? And and how the Chiefs, and I guess they do take their fair amount of shots to Hill each game, but how the Chiefs don't just send this guy in a fly pattern every single time and just try and make Hill have to go get the ball, I think he would every time. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch this guy play it is for sure and, you, and it shows when the Chiefs didn't have him in there that they were able to survive that give KC some credit they survived without Damian Williams doing anything without Tyreek Hill for a few weeks without Patrick Mahomes for a few weeks if they ever get their act together maybe they could compete for the AFC alright uh, quick time out upon us when we come back Christian McCaffrey did it again no shock we'll be back Fantasy Sports Today right after we 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. We got our vaunted 1 o'clock hour coming up next. Unfortunately, not the best games, but look, it's a full schedule of the NFL. I thought it was a very uh, good day in the NFL overall yesterday. A good night game. Exciting from a points point of view. The late games yesterday, 4 o'clock on the East Coast. Three of the four games went down to almost the final play of the game. And that's kind of what you want. Um, it You know, even the Panthers-Titans game, had its moments where you thought the game could potentially be close. And then Christian McCaffrey said, no, that's not going to happen. 24 carries, 146 yards and a touchdown, three three catches, 20 yards, and a touchdown on fourth down. I, I'm starting to look at him as the best fantasy season from a running back in a decade. It, it, we're approaching Marshall Falk-type status. like We're, we're getting above Gurley-type status. It's getting close. DJ Moore uh, looked good, 7 for 101. Kyle Allen really did not look good at all to me in this game. Uh, made a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad passes, some that should have been picked. 232, two touchdowns, one interception, and Samuel caught one of those. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Tannehill gave you a great fantasy game. 331, one rushing touchdown, two interceptions. He did rush for a touchdown as well. He gave you like 25 points in fantasy. Great. Uh, Henry, 13 for 63 and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, 4 for 81. And in a PPR, if you played Humphreys, you got your 10 points. Uh, but Joe, at this stage, I mean, McCaffrey's probably not going to win the MVP of the league because as we've illustrated week after week, running backs just don't win it. But as far as fantasy is concerned, the pace for McCaffrey is 2,000 yards, man. Like 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. We're approaching rare fantasy MVP territory here. Uh, things that we have never seen. A, a lot still has to happen in the last few weeks of the season, but he could get there, man. I mean, he could end up having one of the best, what, top 10 fantasy seasons of all time? I think there's a possibility here that we should not write off the Christian McCaffrey for MVP quite yet. And the scenario is this. It really hangs on the 49ers. Because I don't know if you could look at the 49ers and say, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the MVP. I don't think anybody's voting that. I just don't think that's happening. I think everyone realizes the defense and they're not going to give it to a defensive player. So from a betting standpoint, anyway, if you consider that there's still two more games that the Seahawks play against the 49ers, if Russell Wilson does not play well in those, let's say they lose both of them. That kind of knocks Russell Wilson out of that conversation. If Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, who we just talked about too, should not play well against maybe the Rams or maybe some of the other teams that we put out there that they have, they have the 49ers as well. That knocks him down a peg going forward. I don't know what you want to think about the Panthers 144. Peterson runs a million times. This is all they do. Richardson four for 42 McLaurin four for 39. His fun season, unfortunately, I think is over as well. 
Yeah, uh, understandable. But in Singletary, you would hope that this is the beginning of something, not the not the one. I'm warning you now. Do not get too excited with this because. Well, I think here's the problem. I think here's the problem. I think realistically, we all got too excited because when McCoy went away in the preseason and he looked so good in the preseason, that was a lot of, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The breakout's going to get moved up. And if you go back and literally this is the profile in the Black Book 2019 this year, literally this is what it says. He is one of the best investments to make hold on for the second half of the season, because as the season moves on, they will continue to turn the page as they did last year with Josh Allen. They will turn this running game over to him. Now, this was week nine. So hopefully that will be the trend and that profile will look correct. But I'm literally reading word for word from this last year's black book. And I hope this is the trend. Now, some of the injury, maybe maybe he would have been this good and the injury really kind of crushed us and killed it. But at a certain point, Frank Gore has to go away at some point. I don't think the, so. He has to. <laughs> I don't He's think 174 so <laughs> years old. I know everybody says the same thing about Brady, but running backs are, <laughs> it's even harder for the running back to continue. And I think from what they want to do offensively, I think Singletary makes them a far more dangerous team than Frank Gore does. It does. But you know what? Kenyon Drake made the Dolphins a far more dangerous team and they kept putting Frank Gore in the game. And so... Uh, look, if you started Singletary, great. I certainly hope for people who own shares of him that you can start playing him now. I would just say it would not shock me at all to see this be a clean split moving forward or even another Frank Gore game down the line. Uh, but no doubt in keeper leagues, for sure, uh, if you're out of it, Singletary would be a great guy to try to add. Although after this game, I would wait a game. I wouldn't do it now. You'd be absolutely buying high on him for sure. All right, so uh, that does it for the first hour of the show here on Fantasy Sports Today. Let me give you a little preview of what we'll do in the second half. The Tank Bowl, or at least Tank Bowl 2 or 3, however you want to put it, was yesterday Dolphins and Jets. We got Broncos and Browns also coming up. We'll also dive into the injury report. We'll tell you everything that happened in the NFL, although thankfully it seemed like somewhat of a quiet day in terms of injuries, but we'll break that uh, down for you as well. And then also any of the Monday updates that happen in fantasy in terms of injuries will also tell you that as well. Remember, for those of you who are playing in season-long fantasy leagues and your record is an 0-9 or 1-8 or 2-7, this week has the most teams off in the NFL all season long. So you're going to have to hit the waiver wire, and so we'll do more of an extended look at that waiver wire on Tuesday and Wednesday. Remember... Uh, guys like uh, Carson Wentz and Tom Brady. There's a ton of fantasy guys that are off this week. So expect next week in fantasy football to be the lowest scoring week of the season. And you'll have to make sure that you make some adjustments. Don't just look at this week like any other week in fantasy. Got to make sure you handle it. All right. Uh, coming up next, we got the best of the first hour of the show. And then we'll hit on hour number two. Don't forget, if you're listening to the show on demand, especially on uh, especially on iTunes or Google Play, make sure you like and subscribe to the show in this podcast. If you want mine, give us five stars as well. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia here on Fantasy Sports Today and here on Sports Grid. Our first hour is almost done. The best of is next. And then hour number two comes along. You're listening to FST here on Fantasy Sports Today. And we'll be back right after this. Thank you. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. There is no question who the deserved winner was on this side of the football as Lamar Jackson has put himself off of that performance, square in the conversation of potential MVP in the NFL. They were cheering it yesterday, and he's still going to have a long way to go. He's got to win a lot. Russell Wilson is the clear favorite at this point, although the odds are not out yet this morning. We'll, uh, you know, we're still waiting on those to come uh, to come back out. They usually don't put them out until after the Monday games are done. But the Ravens win 37 to 20. That ended up being the final. Jackson rushed for another 61 yards and two touchdowns. He's going to have the best rushing quarterback season in the history of the NFL. Ingram also had 115 yards on the ground, and Gus Edwards stole a touchdown. Jackson, by the way, threw for a touchdown to 163 yards. Receiving-wise, uh, uh, Hollywood Brown, three for 48. Uh, there really wasn't much. Uh, Andrews even had a quiet game, too. Nick Boyle uh, was the only it one. Well, it was a matter of how he spread the ball around. He found the guys that were open, and that's what playing quarterback's about. And that, I think, was more impressive to me than even the rushing. Yeah, he uh, he threw to a lot of guys that you don't normally expect. Hurst had two catches. Uh, Ricard yeah. had one. Boyle had five. Uh, on the New England side of the ball, uh, Brady, one of the most probably subpar games of the year for him. 285, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, James White had the rushing touchdown. Sony Michelle was very quiet. Edelman had a monster game, although he had a fumble. 11 targets, 10 for 89. Mohamed Sanu, uh, his really big breakout game with New England yeah. there. Man, I got to keep an eye on him. 10 catches, 81 yards of the touchdown. White, unfortunately, not much. Receiving-wise, uh, Watson is back on the map, and Dorsett was a little bit of a disappointment. But look, we illustrated this very early on. Yeah, seventeen uh, nothing. New England went up. I think as a Brady owner at that point, using reality aside, you thought, "Wow, okay, Brady's. This is going to be one of those four hundred yard Brady games." Even going into the fourth quarter, I thought this was going to be one of those four hundred yard Brady games, but uh, not so much. Uh, New England has a bye coming off uh, this loss, and usually the New England is fantastic off of a bye. Uh, Ravens will keep cruising. They are now going to be, it looks like, probably one game behind New England, depending on what happens last week. And in terms of the Patriots, Joe, uh, my guess is they come out firing the week after the bye week. I would not go against them. No, they absolutely will. Look, some of the the ills of that offense showed up. They're getting some bad left tackle play because they have an injury there that they're waiting for him to come back. There were some penalties there, too, some very unpatriot-like penalties. Uh, they also lack a real true red zone threat. Now, it was nice to see Sanu get involved there. That was a big plus. But, you know, it's starting to show that they don't have Gronkowski in the red zone anymore, and they've got to figure out some more ways to, to be effective down there, and that is where they struggle. They don't have those kind of weapons at this point. And I think when you're looking back on this, too, look, you know, the defense did not play well in the first quarter. After that, I think they played pretty well for the most part. And then they got tired at the end of the game and you know, the, Lamar Jackson took him to the house, but look, obviously going forward from a fantasy standpoint, Muhammad Sanu has proven that he understands the offense. And that is a huge thing because 
there were big moments in that game where he was looking and he found Sanu, and that's huge for his fantasy value because once you are in with Tom Brady, you are in just IE Julian Edelman, the rest of them, but the Pats certainly have a lot of work to do. You're right. Coming out of the bye, uh, certainly do uh, as well. And they're going to play the Eagles coming out of that bye. So uh, that should be a good matchup for Brady to bounce back from a passing standpoint. Yeah. We'll, we'll see from fantasy, from reality, they have four games against four teams above 500. And if New England wins three out of four, they got nothing to worry about. Anything less, all of a sudden, that home field would be in question at the Eagles versus the Cowboys, at the Texans versus the Chiefs. You would think, sure, they could win yeah. three out of four. They could win all four. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, then that puts the Ravens for sure uh, back in that conversation in the AFC. And uh, and look, that Chiefs game could prove to be interesting as well because going in a head-to-head sure. matchup, if the Chiefs win that one, that could change. And Lamar um, has only two. Lamar has the Texans uh, week 11, and he's got the 49ers week 13. Those are the two big Lamar Jackson MVP games out there. If he gets those W's, because the rest of his games are very winnable. Bengals, Rams, Bills, Jets, Browns, Steelers. That's a very winnable schedule here for Baltimore. Yeah, they're going to win. They're going over their total uh, for sure. They're going over their win total. No doubt this year. I would love to have that ticket. All right, a uh, good ticket yesterday was the over in the Seahawks-Bucks game. And uh, and look, Seattle won, and they did score a touchdown in overtime, which I'm sure a lot of people who backed the Bucks were very upset about because it looks like they were going to cover and, and win for the majority of this game. Uh, Tampa Bay led this game 21-7. to Seattle's defense, back-to-back weeks, looks like the worst defense in the NFC. 400 yards to Schaub, and then Winston looks like Schaub. Like, I don't know what is going on with their defense, but... Uh, Russell Wilson basically had to carry them like he did again. And, you know, the MVP leader for sure right now, 378, five touchdowns for him. Uh, Carson had one long run. Otherwise, it was a quiet day, but you'll take the fantasy points for sure. 105 on the ground, 28 in the air. Lockett has been an absolute monster all season long. 13 for 152, two more touchdowns. Metcalf has come on strong too. Two touchdowns last week, one this week, six for 123. Hollister four for 37 and two touchdowns. So they found a little extra uh, juice there out of their tight end. Uh, Winston, 335, two touchdowns, no interceptions, one fumble, a good game for him. He goes usually good, bad, good, bad. This is a good one. Uh, Ronald Jones, 18 for 67 and a touchdown. Evans, we mentioned the monster game, 12 for 180. Godwin, PPR formats was fine, seven for 61. Uh, Rashad Perriman got involved somehow in this game, four for 42 and a touchdown. Well, yeah, the and ball then, bounced off Mike yeah. Evans and he caught for a touchdown. Right. So good it's luck on you, buddy. The only way that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, pretty and much. And Agun Bowale uh, had a one-yard touchdown that he, you would say he stole it from Jones, but they do use different guys at the goal line there. So uh, look, Seattle, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, this team is going to put up a lot of points, Joe. But on their defensive side of the ball, I think that they're becoming a juicy matchup each week, kind of like Tampa Bay is a little bit where they don't play great defense, but they play great offense. I mean, how can you explain Seattle uh, giving up 21 points to Atlanta in the second half last week and Schaub throwing for 300 yards in the second half and then Winston doing this as well? They get no pass rush whatsoever. I watched this game and I watched the week before. I don't know what Clowney's even doing out there. Like they traded all these picks for him and everything. Yeah. Their offense is fantastic, and so, I mean, I think DFS-wise and season-long-wise, you just put your Seahawks in there at this point. They're just, they are just they can't stop anybody, so it creates a great offensive performances for them. No, that's 100% correct. That's exactly what's going on there, and it's great for Russell Wilson's MVP resume as well as he continues to put up stats. Great to see uh, DK Metcalf having a big game. That, that's not surprising considering the way the Tampa secondary has played all year. And when you're looking forward here, uh, this is something we talked about last week, that that 12th man, this whole, oh, my God, it's so hard to win in Seattle. No, it's not anymore. It's just not. 
So everybody from a betting standpoint needs to recognize that too, because this has been going on all season and the once historic Seattle defense with all those guys, the Thomases and the Shermans and all those guys are gone. It's it's they're all they're older. They're on other teams. They're gone. And this defense is not what it used to be. And neither is that home field advantage. So take notice of that. And also take notice of the fact that if your team, you have players that are playing the Seahawks, there's some real fantasy points out there in matchups to be had as well as in DFS.